0: This is the Social Geek Radio Network. Hello, Geeks, and welcome to Social Geek Rock Stars. I'm Jack Munson, your host and marketing. Do you ever have imposter syndrome? Hell yeah, you do, and so do we. My rock stars today include Ingrid Schneider of Stay in Your Lane, Amanda Dempsey of Saxton and Stump, and Northeast Colors Derek Abelman. Today's episode is brought to you by Answer Connect, ServiceMinder, and Hughes. The panel is next after this quick note about the Franchise Leadership and Development Conference. We're back this week, October 18th through the 20th in Atlanta. Franchise Update and the IFA are joining forces once again to bring you the best FLDC ever. And I'll be there with my crew from Ularity, chatting with franchise leaders at what I say is the best networking event of the entire year. If you're here this week, please join my session on Wednesday the 19th at 2 p.m. on Lead Generation and Marketing. The full agenda is at FranchiseDevelopmentConference.com. And save the date for the 2023 Multi-Unit Franchising Conference, April 25th through the 28th at Caesars Forum in Vegas, baby. Joining me now for today's rock star panel, Derek Abelman, Ingrid Schneider, and Amanda Dempsey. Amanda, let's start with you. As the lawyer in the room, how do you define imposter syndrome?
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking me, Jack. And thanks for having me today. Um, so imposter syndrome to me, um, maybe I should start defining it by kind of defining what it isn't, but, um, I would say personally for me, imposter syndrome is when you feel uncomfortable, either sharing your views or being included in, in, um, you know, some type of group and that discomfort comes from really, uh, nothing related to your actual competency, but rather um, something that has nothing to do with your actual knowledge of the subject or your skill set or your experience, but um, instead something that um, makes you specifically feel uncomfortable. And that can be a number of things. I mean, it could be um, your gender, your race, your age. It could be, um, I like to joke, it could be something you ate for breakfast, it can be, you know, um, anything really, but uh, it has nothing to do with your actual competency. It's something holding you back from, you know, really experiencing and sharing what you do know um, that doesn't have anything to do with your skills.
0: Do you think it could also be caused by someone who's surrounded by others who are maybe excelling at whatever they're doing or they're they're all being successful and maybe that one person feels like wow i'm falling behind in this crew
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think the experience of others um you know comparing yourself to the experience of others um and I, i'll say you know the surface comparison to the experience of others right because it's what you perceive as their experience and how you compare it to yourself yeah and it's not necessarily that they know more do more have more experience it's just that you you know they're presenting as if you know they have this like heightened level um of knowledge experience more to offer than you do um and maybe they really don't right um but it just you know you feel in comparison to them that you don't have that same um that same thing to offer you know it can be knowledge experience whatever it is um yeah. So I think it's absolutely, I think that's definitely part of it, right? It's how we interact with others.
0: Ingrid, I want to jump to you. You you actually recommended us talking about this topic today. And I, I loved it the, the moment you said it. And as soon as I teased a little something on uh, LinkedIn and Instagram that we were going to talk about this today, I can't tell you how many messages I received from some of our friends saying, oh, I'm so glad you guys are talking about this because... I I'm I'm dealing with this every day of my life. So um let's start with why is that happening? Uh why are so many people feeling this right now? And and also, you know, what's your definition because maybe we all see imposter syndrome as a little bit different than others.
2: So you asked me three questions. Yes. Start with <laughs> start um... start
0: from the back. <laughs>
2: um you know, I think as far as being a woman in business goes, I think there's a lot to do with um, being a marginalized and um, having to deal with the self-talk that we've grown up with and what we've mm-hmm. been um, assigned to as gender, like our gender roles. Um, and to me, let me start with the definition as far as what I relate to um, imposter syndrome is really negative self-talk and having to redo thought work around my um, qualifications my significance, my skill set, my importance. Um, and it really becomes the fear of going for more. I think we go through this paralysis kind of stage too with imposter syndrome, where um, we can also do like what I call preparedness paralysis, where I'm not quite ready to prepare this. I'm not quite ready to do this. I need to do a little bit more. Um, and that can turn into imposter syndrome too. But you know, I think it's the fear of going for more and the fear of being worthy. Um, in a space that we are. And I like to think about it as thought work and redoing my kind of tape recorder. I'm a child of the nineties. So I had a Walkman, Um, the tape (laughs) recorder that kind of plays in my brain. Right. And, and going back and no, I am worthy to be in this room. No, I am significant. No, I do have worth. Right. And I think that it's a natural thing that we all go through. Amanda and I actually talked yesterday and I told I told the group before that I get nervous when I do things like this because I care. And that, that comes as imposter syndrome too. And I think part of imposter syndrome is that we, we care, right? So our nerves show up and we feel like we're imposters because we care about what we're presenting and we care that we don't come off like dweebs and we care that we um, come off intelligent, right? So it's like, even today, I'm like, why am I in this room? Like, why? you know, what do I have to offer <laughs> who who am i to talk about this i'm not an expert it's just something that we deal with and it's it's really to me it's it's rewiring and it's our self talk
0: was anybody else feeling the same way like like why the hell am i in here with these smart people right
1: i've i've definitely <laughs> like brought this up before and so i thought maybe that's why you invited me today cuz i feel like i do talk about it a lot and i'm like okay people are going to see me as this girl that thinks she doesn't belong anywhere if i keep it up but um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I I had that
2: thought too, like, oh, they're going to like also judge me for having imposter syndrome, like,
1: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, we've
0: been rebranded as imposter syndrome people,
1: but But I do think that, and I mean, we're going to get, well, I'm sure we're going to get to this as well, but I do think that, um, one of the ways that I kind of deal with it is by being open about it. Right. So like Ingrid saying, like, you know, I don't like, I get nervous when I, when I talk about things because I care like when she said that the first time that we had ever met, like, I was like, that is like such a great, like vulnerable, real thing to say, because everyone gets nervous. (laughs) Like that is true. Everyone does. And it is an indication that you care and that you, you know, I mean, the people who are the most confident, I think sometimes really don't care very much, right? Like they don't really care about how they come off to others. Um, so Yeah. I mean, Derek, I want you to have a chance to weigh in. So I don't want to move to the next topic, but I think definitely like that was, I thought the same thing when we're jumping on. I'm like, why am I qualified to talk about this? Like I'm not a psychologist, (laughs) Um, but I think it's just something we all experience. And so like, you know, there could have been any number of people on today.
0: Well, let's go to Derek with, uh, with his definition of imposter syndrome. And I know just from chatting before Derek, you've got some, some interesting, uh, alternative takes on this too. So, what, what what do you think of when you when when we say imposter syndrome? What do you think of?
3: Well, you know, thank you, Jack. I think when I hear imposter, it suggests two things to me: inauthenticity and performance, right? And I think that we live in an increasingly performative culture where your identity is now a brand, right? What you eat, what you drink, what you do with your time—it's now a content stream that competes with, and, you know, it compares to everyone else's life content stream. And I think that that leads to this ongoing obsession with authenticity that that we have in the culture, right? Like, are you authentic? Are you real? Are you being vulnerable? Are you being open? Is that itself real? Um, That obsession with authenticity seems like such a natural consequence to these highly stylized ways of branding ourselves that are essentially happening on platforms that reframe our lives as entertainment commodities, mm-hmm. right? We're all competing with each other. We're all branding each other. We're all, our brands are all running into each other. Jack, to your earlier point about like, have better vacations or more handsome, whatever, that's a brand, right? So if you're on 24 seven in every arena of your life, like how could there not be a tension between an authentic and a performative self? How could, how could that not be? You know, all of which is to say if you feel like an imposter you're not alone right it's it's actually probably kind of inevitable at some level. But I don't think it has to be a condemnation or the end of reality, you know, I think that if we look at what it means going back to to where I started right inauthenticity and performance, If we go back to that that second part performance right what are we performing, what are we doing. Um, You know. I have an approach to this or or that I kind of came to in, in a different way over the course of my life that, that we can get into later. But but I believe that that to me it's that element of performance and play, that we can take that anxiety that we have and turn it into excitement, right? That's one of those self-talk things, Ingrid. Um, that you know like that's one of the tricks right before public speaking like you feel nervous you feel the butterflies because you care you can transform that that nervous energy into excitement like you can't wait to grab the mic you can't wait to get in the ring this is what you've trained for this is what you're ready for and there will be some weird moments to it but but a performance doesn't have to be inauthentic right it doesn't have to be um
0: a lie let's talk a little bit more about your performance because i i think you kind of see you know, that all the world's indeed a stage, right? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's true. Despite having not um, studied acting in any in any capacity, um, like many people, I came to franchising from a bunch of different backgrounds. And I grew up on a farm in Minnesota, and I always dreamt of going out into the wider world and being everything that I could be, right? I wanted to be a fireman, a pilot, a police officer, a lawyer, all of these things. And then it dawned on me that I wouldn't have the time to do that, any of that, not really. And so I ended up becoming a writer and that's what I studied. So writing and photography, those are my degrees. And as I sort of traveled around in many parts of my life, I ended up going from vertical to vertical to business to business, to different sort of career paths, if you will. And it didn't feel like I was leapfrogging around. It felt more like I was exploring, that I was essentially almost taking the approach of an actor, right? That every job I had, and, and I've done a lot of things. I've been an orderly at an asylum. I've been an assistant to a paralegal at a law. I worked at law firms for a really long time. I was a speed reader for a major publishing house. Um, My last job before this job, I ran a suit company in New York. So I've been in all of these different fields. I was a journalist. I was a copywriter. I've done all of these things, and many of us have, right? And every time I would go into one of those new opportunities, I would prepare for my role like an actor would. I would go and I would read everything I could about that industry. I would sometimes print things out and read them out loud to myself as though I were testing lines, I would try to learn everything that I could because I knew that I was going to have a role, right? Literally a role mm-hmm. in a in, in a group, and that I would have to perform. And so at any given moment, like I took that curious, I took that form of anxiety and turned it into a curiosity and a form of play. That if I could turn that performance into something that that wasn't inauthentic I wasn't trying to lie to anyone I wasn't faking anything I'm here for a reason you got me in the door right there's something I can do for you there's something I can learn from you and I think that my life has gone better and become more interesting when I have taken the attitude of being a student or an explorer or someone who is curious about things um I mean the other side of that is I have to be willing to fail I have to admit that I don't know and I have to be um ready to not have that to be fired from that role right because like maybe it didn't work maybe i wasn't going to be able to pull that off um but i think at some level in my life being willing to lose um and being willing to let go of who i thought i was and embrace some other thing allowed me however however difficult or awkward that might have felt to to really learn from other people and meet people that i otherwise never would
0: have I love the idea of preparing for everything like a role. And, you know, even down to the extent that we're all wearing costumes to some extent when we're, when we're out, you know, showing our personal brand and flair, right? When you're performing that role, do you sometimes feel like someone is seeing through you that, wait a minute, this guy is not really... Um, an asylum attendee or a speed reader or whatever. He's, he's just a fraud. He's just an actor playing the role of, of whatever position you were in at the time. Did, did that ever pop up?
3: No, no. I can honestly say it hasn't. And the only reason why is, um, how can I put this? Here's an, here's an analogy. Um, just last, this week, uh, I was working on a new module that has been introduced in our CRM. Right. So I'm the marketing manager of Northeast Color uh, in in my role in the company. I'm supposed to know everything about marketing up, down, left, right. Everything. Everything is on me. Right. I must know that. I must be an expert at that at all times. Here's this new module being added to our CRM. I haven't worked with it. And I'm reviewing the um, like the manual to see how I'm going to try to do this one thing I'm going to do. Now, typically, I think in our lives, maybe maybe this is other people too, you scan, right? I feel like I'm scanning for just the, the one piece of information I need that's going to allow me to do the next thing that I'm going to do, right? And in that way, I'm almost, it's like um, it's like you're robbing a convenience store versus strategically robbing a bank, right? Smash and grab versus like, I'm going to drill into the vault. I'm going to get this whole thing. And as much as I was scanning, I was not finding the clue how to make this next part work. So I had to stop, slow down. And then read those instructions out loud as though I was about to pilot a plane and every word written on those papers would be life or death. I had to bring my whole self to this thing. And so no matter where I've been, and and I know that this may sound like, you know, like I'm being an imposter right now, but, you know, definitely my ears have gotten hot and I felt flushed for sure. But my whole self is there. That's the thing. This isn't, I'm not, I'm sincere. I may be performing a role, but I'm not insincere. And, and I think it's the sincerity that allows me to be fully present and to really listen with my whole self and to, tr- to really try to understand what's happening. If I'm worried about presenting correctly, not going to happen. But I look someone in the eye, I listen to what they're saying as though my life depended on it, because in some senses, it does.
0: And I think that's a good place for marketing and salespeople to be anyway, is to spend 90% of your time listening and not presenting. Um, you know, it, you're going to be more successful long term anyway. But also if you are feeling a little bit nervous about your own credentials or that maybe you're uh, maybe you've outkicked your coverage a little bit here and, and maybe this isn't um, uh, what I should be doing right now, if you're listening and learning, you'll get to that point. I think, um, maybe too many, and I'd love to hear everybody's take on this. Maybe too many people think that, um, they, you know, gee, somebody in my position should have this other degree or a better degree or more experience and something like that. And the reality is nobody's really qualified for what is going to get thrown at you day to day. Right. But I think maybe it's, it's that, that, classical education and training and qualification I think we get too hung up on that uh, Ingrid Amanda any any thoughts on that
2: well I think I can relate to Derek and saying that my career has not been linear and I managed a rock band I have managed a comedy club I have been a, a director of training for a national restaurant group I have um, Done a lot of. I owned an auto body shop, which was my last career. Um, four of them, which is as. Let's talk about imposter syndrome and being a female in the auto body world. Holy mackerel! I dealt with that on a daily basis. Uh, I think there's like three percent of the population in the auto body um, industry is women. So like I was up against the patriarchy all of the time. So. I think that my career, I have a degree in political theory. I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer. I don't know if I told you that Amanda or not. No, Uh, I feel like
1: everyone wants to, everyone, (laughs) Derek wanted to be a lawyer.
2: You not not. did the whole thing. I did not want to
1: be a lawyer. Just I'm (laughs) the only one on the call that didn't want to be a lawyer. Right. Well,
0: I, (laughs) I, I didn't want to be a lawyer, but um, I did spend a lot of my youth in the courthouse, but that's for another day. <laughs> uh,
2: hysterical. Ingrid.
0: Go Jack, ahead, Ingrid.
2: You have a history, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, you know, but my experience, the one thing I can tell you is my experience has compounded. And I found this love for marketing and it was a common thread that weaved through all of my experiences, right? And then you kind of find yourself with this niche and it's a personal branding thing, right? Too. So like I ended up loving marketing and where I was, people would be like, hey Ingrid, what do you know about this? And I'd be like, well, like also being an imposter, you know, not a lot, but this, this, and this. And they be like, oh no, I actually, you, you're really smart about that, right? And I think that's also a thing that combats imposter syndrome is that when we have people surrounding us that love us well, or that see our strengths or our peers that are like, hey, you're really good at this, is believing them. And I had some great people and mentors around me who said, oh my gosh, Ingrid, you built a body shop that now has four locations, but the branding is impeccable, and the messaging is unbelievable, and the marketing is phenomenal. Like, have you thought about that being your career path? And it's kind of been this thread that's woven through my career, right? And I think we can probably all experience that, where it's like, okay, I don't think I need a certification necessarily to make me an expert. And I think that's more and more as the world changes we have so much information at our fingertips right i used to have to go get the encyclopedia off the shelf to learn something and now i have a phone in my hand where i can google something and to derek's point go and learn right and study and ask experts and be students and i think part of the cure for imposter syndrome is also curiosity right so Mm You, you're in this moment where you don't feel like you know everything and it's hard, right? But you can your curiosity can take over and you can go through things and say, okay, I'm not the expert because ultimately we are humans living a human experience. We're not computers. We can't know everything. Amanda probably has to look at books all the time and refer to different things as a lawyer. She doesn't know every piece of the law. We can't know everything. So I, mean, I think I think education while it's important, it's also formal education is mildly overrated in the fact that we can learn from our peers, we can learn from Google. I think more people are going to TikTok and short-term videos to Mm -hmm. learn things. I mean, my dog had, Amanda raised her hand for those of you who can't see. (laughs) Um, My dog had an ear infection not too long ago, and I literally went to TikTok to see what was going on, like how you know, 30 seconds I can figure out how to help her, right? Right. So there's so many resources. And I actually watched imposter syndrome videos on TikTok before doing this too, because <laughs> it's a phenomenal resource. People, yeah. you know, there's people that are important talking about it. So education, I don't discount it, but I also think that there's other ways to be scrappy and to educate yourself.
0: And other ways to be educated, including all of these various lives that you guys have all had before you got to what you're doing today. Ingrid, one thing I I really pulled out of what you just said there was about, okay, we're all involved in franchising, right. And, you know, uh, supporting small business owners and, and franchise systems and things like that. And you were, you ran a body shop. Okay. Maybe your future isn't in the automotive world, And probably none of us have a much of a future in the automotive world, but you gain so much experience about running a business and, you know, owning a business, running a business, and then spreading that out to four locations. That's better than 99% of the marketing and branding people that I know in franchising, because none of them have ever owned a business
2: before. So 10%.
0: Even though my dad automotive. said I got
2: my MBA at Harvard. In yeah. shots. He always <laughs> said, like, this is your MBA program or this Absolutely. is your doctorate. I'd be like, yeah. you're right, dad, you're right.
0: Yeah, people ask me all the time, like, how did you get into franchising? And it's like, well, it's a little bit of a boring story. I worked in an agency and the owner said, I want you to go to this thing called the IFA. And I went, right? Like that end of story. That's how I got into franchising. Um, but the reality is, you know, I went from... I, you know I didn't I didn't have the quantum leap of careers like Derek had uh, you know moving from life to life uh, but i I did go from radio to public relations to marketing to marketing for franchising, right so it all kind of fit together even though I didn't start as you know uh, working for a franchise system at the age of twenty one right but um and, and some people do but a lot of people we work with didn't, you know, they had these other, you know, strange and wonderful experiences before they got to what they're doing today. And I think, to bring it back to imposter syndrome, that might be something that that leads to this, this feeling that um, that you're, you know, an imposter is you're not looking at your own history saying, hey, I built this thing back in you know, 2012. And then I, I put together this really cool team in 2015. And even though it wasn't exactly related to my job today, it helped me build something and build a team and and learn how to be a leader or learn how to be a good partner, you know, 100%. because who, who, who here was really good at all of those things 15 years ago, not me right? Um, so I, I think it's all of those little things kind of build up to uh, what you should think of yourself as today, and you don't give yourself enough credit. No, none of us do.
2: Well, I mean, so. imposter syndrome says that luck got us there, right? But really yeah. it's skill that got us there. Yeah, I and think and,
1: when we're feeling like an imposter in the moment, like we're looking at all of those things as things that disqualify us from participating in that room, right? Like I don't have 25 years of franchise experience. I come from, look at Derek, he has, you know, a plethora of jobs, right? I don't have enough experience to provide insight in this moment, or I don't provide, I don't have, but you're looking at your past experiences and as things that disqualify you when really people are complex, right? Every single person is complex. I don't, I think that in my head, for example, as an attorney, right, there was an image of what an attorney was. And I, in, in when I'm feeling like an imposter, all of the things about me that don't fit that box up there are things that disqualify me. Mm-hmm. When really in reality, and what I know now as somebody who continuously combats that is that all of those things that are different about me make me a better attorney. They don't make me less of an attorney, right? Um, because I'm I have different experience to lend to the table, right? I have different experience to bring to the conversation, and and I think this is why people who you know like this is why diversity initiatives are so important because that has not always been the perspective of everyone, right? That like this diverse opinion, this diverse viewpoint, this complex person that doesn't fit this mold, their experience adds. It doesn't detract.
0: Hughes powers the networks that people and franchises everywhere depend on. Reach out and find out how Hughes can become your networking partner. Call Carl Udler at 301-601-6427 or visit Hughes.com slash franchise. Everyone has a phone, but not everyone is answering the phone correctly. When you spend marketing dollars to grow your business, you cannot afford to miss any calls or answer the phone with, Hey! Answer Connect is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to support new business, current clients, or urgent calls, and they send messages to you immediately. They integrate with many of today's popular CRMs, taking advantage of technology and taking one more thing off of your to-do list. In addition to taking calls, they can set appointments, follow up with potential customers via form fill inquiries and make outbound calls for reinvigoration campaigns. Let Answer Connect work in your business so you can work on your business. Call Answer Connect at 800-584-0234. That's 800-584-0234 or visit answerconnect.com slash franchise.
1: I have two careers, so I'm an attorney. I'm also a competitive dance teacher, right? A lot of people don't know that about me. Um, Maybe some do, a a few do. But I always, I never talked about that at work. I oftentimes, for years, I wouldn't even tell the people that I worked for that I did that. Like, I would just be like, gotta go for the night. I wouldn't tell them what I was doing when I left work. And I felt like that wasn't a lawyerly thing to do, right? Like there's nobody that's a dance teacher and a lawyer. Like that's not a lawyerly, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's a second job, but let's just say it was a hobby, right? Mm -hmm. I felt like it made me less serious, um, less dedicated to my work that I wasn't working around the clock and like reading legal journals in my free time. But the reality of it is that job makes me a better lawyer in so many different ways. Like, first of all, like I'm a creator. I build creative pieces from nothing to something from an idea to teaching it to students, to seeing it on the stage, right? So that's a complete project that I'm working on literally every week, okay? So I am creating something from nothing, right? I'm accomplishing a goal. I'm a team leader, right? I'm herding cats. I'm herding 14 to 16 (laughs) teenagers in an hour, (laughs) okay? So like, if that doesn't make me a leader, like, I don't know what does, right? Um, So, I mean, there's just, and I could go on and on about how that makes me a better lawyer for people in business, but that was holding me back. Like it was, I wasn't seeing it in that way. And so I think people really just need to examine, first of all, you gotta be kind to yourself, right? You have to be like, you have to just own who you are. And that's so hard. It can be so hard, but just take that and just be like, why does this thing make me better? And it doesn't, you're not comparing yourself better than a specific person, no. But why does this make me better at my job? And instead of why does this make me less? Than yeah,
0: but the job. reason you got there and you started uh, talking about it there for a second, you're, the reason you got there is because the image you had of lawyers, and I'm guessing it came from L.A. Law or other shows like that, right? When you were a kid, um, those lawyers didn't, uh, you know, coach dance teams <laughs> and and work with kids, right? You know, they they played golf and and other really important. Uh, things like playing golf, right. Um, it, you know, that was supposedly okay for lawyers to do for 150 years. Um, but working with teens, that's, that's a little strange. And, and I, and I think, you know, you were smart enough to break out of that mold and say, well, this is, you know, what I want to do. And I'm glad you're sharing that with people in your profession now, because all, all we really need is for, you know, some 15, 16 year old kid right now, who said, Oh, I had this coach uh named Amanda back when I was a kid. And she was a coach. She was also a lawyer, right? Yeah. And, and that absolutely
1: I share that with you my know, kids that's all what the time. Want. Yeah. I can't tell you how many of my kids come to me and they say, like, wait, what? You also do You're this? A and lawyer? Like, but I want them, like, I want everyone to be like, you can be complex, like you can have this interest and this interest, and you can do it, you know, like. I I don't like, listen, like, I'm not like, I'm not like a unicorn. There's other people that are out there doing things that are like seemingly incongruent. Right. But, um, but it's like, my kids ask me, they do. I call them my kids. My students ask me, like, they say to me, like, oh, like I can do this. So like one of, and this is like, you know, a great example, but I have one of my students is, um, now she's an accountant and also an Eagles cheerleader. So because she kept dancing throughout her life, you know, like it was her passion and she did it as, you know, exercise, but also a a form of Mm self-expression, which like, you know, a lot of us that sit at a desk all day, like we need that movement in our life and she kept after it. And like, she's now, you know, like doing that. So it's like, I I don't know, like it's that to me is like, I I love lending that perspective to my students who love dancing and like maybe professional dancing is not in going to happen for them, but they're also you know, like they have academic interests and they have business interests. Maybe they want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe they, you know, so it, you don't have to be one or the other. And they help, they can help each other. You know, those parts of yourself, they make you a complete person, number one. But number two, they, they broaden your skill set. And I think yeah. people, they discount that, that you're broadening your skill set by just not staying in one lane. Like you don't, that's not making you less than, it's making you more.
0: Yeah, I think the broadening the skill set and not staying in your lane. Ingrid, great name by the way. Um, uh, if, if anybody wants to check out Ingrid's agency, is it what's the website for for Stay in Your Lane?
2: We actually are building a website right now, so it's awesome. StayInYourLaneCo.com. Nice,
0: love it. Um, but I think I think the idea of any of us staying in our professional lane for uh, the next lifetime. Uh, the odds of that are pretty low. I think the next generation, the 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 kids you're coaching, Amanda, are going to be a lot more like Derek and have multiple careers and move around and 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 try lots of new things until they find something that really kind of scratches the itch, right, Derek?
3: I would, I would hope so. I mean, that's it's kind of the way it's going anyway. And there's you know just just to reply to what Amanda was saying, like I remember when I was like in my teens or something, I read this interview with an actor who rejected the title and said that she thought of herself more as an athlete, that that's how she approached acting. And and like, I remember reading that so many years ago and how it just like flipped a switch in my head where I was like, oh, you can do a thing think about it radically different and bring something else out and like imagine approaching acting as, as an athlete with that intensity of whatever, however you define that, like that changes your performance. Right. So, you know, I'm a marketer. You could reframe that as a storyteller, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're a journalist. You could be, you could reframe that as I'm an, I'm a witness, right? There are different ways to do it. These subtle shifts in definition. I think that they both privatize and personalize that role that you're playing. You know, you obviously still need to do the work, but you can approach it on your own terms, and and I think that that steals back some of the um, vulnerability that that you've given by letting other people tell you who you are, right? That takes away the imposter, like you know who you are. You've defined it. That's that's this is your name for it, right? You're approaching it in a different way, like and and I feel like Amanda, you know this. It's not a side hustle. This other, this other thing, this other part of yourself. I agree that 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 expands and brings you brings more of your whole self to you, and, and I think that that's that's beautiful. And, and I think that we all we all do that need to do more of that. And um, you know, when I was preparing for this, I, re- I remembered that there's that famous F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, right? Um, American lives have no second act, right? And and I think if we think about his time period and whatever his career was. That may have been true for him, but, but we know that that doesn't have to be true for us, right? Like what Jack was just saying, career shifts, gig economy, mm-hmm. this burgeoning interest in quality of life over accomplishments and money. Um, I think that that can turn some of the uncertainty in our professional lives into jumping off points for other acts, especially coming out of the pandemic. You're seeing a lot of people wake up to, to like, you know, the preciousness of their time, and in their engagement. And and I think that if our lives are as performative as as they seem to be, then maybe we can lean into that, right? Maybe we can use those illusions to open doors to new experiences and opportunities and and learn more about ourselves. And and I think give more to each other when when you're open like that and you're not restrictive and and you have that curiosity
0: and that sense of play. It feels like you mentioned the pandemic. It feels like that's playing into all of this too. Because I have to tell you, before the pandemic, I don't think I really heard anyone talking about imposter syndrome. Um, and also with the the increase of of you know, as Derek calls it, the content streams of our life, including all of the social channels, the increase in screen time. There, um, I think that's playing into all of this too. If you if you look at um, you know, how easy and innocent Facebook was 10 years ago. It was just posting some pictures and people talking about how they're feeling right now, right? Now you look on TikTok or or other channels and it's like every swipe is someone putting on a production, you know, talking about their Relationship with this horrible person, or you know something terrible that happened in the Walmart parking lot, or you know whatever whatever their drama du jour is, that's what we're looking at constantly, and and I think that's feeding into people people there must be TikTokers out there thinking. I just don't have enough drama to talk about anything today. You know, like I'm such a fraud. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, so,
1: and I'll also add that I think that, um, definitely. And like Ingrid, I think I want you to jump in on this too, because you posted about like conference FOMO, but I think that like, we, you know, like everyone was behind a screen for a certain amount of time, social media picked up, LinkedIn became, I think, hotter than ever during that time, because that's how we were connecting with everyone but I think two things. Well, I think a lot of things came out of it. But I'm just going to mention two. One is that um, we're starting to view people on LinkedIn like presenting that brand, right? So everything looks amazing at this conference, <laughs> right? And and I think that you know we're behind our computers for two years. I think that makes people nervous. to physically go to conference, right? Like there are some people who don't have a lot of experience attending in-person conferences because Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, maybe it's a networking event, maybe it's a client meeting, you know, it doesn't have to just be a conference, but you know, we're, we're getting used to being behind the screen. People are comfortable behind the screen and now everyone's out and about, right? It, it just, it's flipping the switch on, okay, now like imposter syndrome to the nth degree now, because I don't know how to be in person anymore, right? Like things are different. And then also I feel like I'm missing out on not being there. Right. So I, I just feel like it totally like weaves into this perfect storm of feeling imposter syndrome when you go, or, you know, when you try to participate.
2: It's also a love hate relationship and leaving our house now. Right. Like we're so like used to being at home and then, and you also have to like get up and go and like be, be in this situation where you're, on the whole time and talking being on absolutely.
0: Yeah. And, yeah.
2: You know, being your best self and pitching, you know, what company you're working for and being part of this whole, you know, kind of, um, experience. That's what is it? What is a, that is a, what is a uh, conference. Right. So I think for me, the way that I combat that, um, and being on is I try to be vulnerable and honest with people. And I think that there's like pieces of things too with um, having franchise friends who really know me who who know my dirt and who are like really authentic and who um, know, I mean, Patty Rother has been a long time friend and she knows me intimately. Um, I've had a chance to mentor too which I think is really important with, um, with this whole topic. And you, can give back to somebody and it really does improve your self-worth and saying like, Oh, like I, I am actually a professional. I do actually know a lot of things I am pouring into somebody and giving back. And not that we do that because, you know, we have to, but because we really enjoy people growing and I love watching people grow and pouring into my friends and franchising. So, I mean, FOMO is real. Being behind a computer is real. I think you nailed it, Amanda. And I think that like in order to combat that, it's like how, how do we walk this fine line of just being authentic and being vulnerable and being ourselves and not being on all the time, right? It's exhausting going to those conferences and I'm an extroverted introvert. So I can talk to people and I love people. Like I go back to my room at night and I'm like, I am dead. I don't want to talk to anybody. My boyfriend calls and I'm like, I love you, but no, like it's over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of words for the day. Ingrid, when you had posted something at, uh, at, at a, IFA event that we were all at in DC a few weeks ago about fear of missing out. What really made an impact on me was at that show. And I'll say it two shows since then, I have seen people who are friends of mine who I won't name. I'll tell you guys later um, who spend the entire conference taking selfies with people who maybe they know them, maybe they kind of know them, maybe not. But the most important thing is to get a selfie with as many people as possible, and then tag 47 people on that post Mm -hmm. to show the world I was here, I was at this thing. And I was at, you know, this event with this person or that person. And it's the exact opposite of that vulnerability that we were just talking about when you're saying you know gee I wish I was there to actually experience this and the ironic part is those people who are doing that and just taking selfies they're not actually experiencing anything they're not really having a conversation or listening to a great speaker or you know sitting down with with Derek and having a beer and talking about business it, they're they're actually missing out on that because they're too busy producing the content stream that right. now is their life.
2: And we're marketers, right? I'm a marketer, Derek's a marketer. Like those things are important to some extent Then yep. there's overdoing it, right? Yeah. I'm a human living a human experience. If I sit down with Amanda, which we did yesterday and, and have an hour conversation over coffee, I, I want to know about work, but I also want to know about her personal life. I know mm-hmm. about her kids now. I knew about her dance studio. I knew about how she met her husband those are things are all important to me and having a personal connection like is more valuable to me in the long run because that's really the foundation of who we are as networkers and who we are as humans, right? You, Amanda now cares about me on a personal level. It's not a business thing. I wasn't trying to sell her anything. I wasn't there to like do, you know, anything. I was there to know Amanda. Like, and I wrote things down too because I want to remember, like I want to remember how old her kids are, four and six. Like I want to-, I want to <laughs> I want to know, you know, um, I'll really, really have a relationship with her on a real level. And that's something that I value as, as a business person too. And I think that really helps me with um, this whole imposter syndrome thing too, right? Is that if people really know me, then, then it's disarming.
1: Then it's okay to be like, I'm feeling nervous in this moment. And you can say that to the people that really know you, right? Yeah,
2: like right. I've got to so... go on stage and talk to 500 people and I don't want to do it. And they're like, yeah, yeah. We, this. Like, we know your strengths. We know, you know, yeah. also your weaknesses. And here's where you messed up. I love constructive criticism too. I talk too fast when I get nervous and it's also part of a speech impediment, but I love people like saying like, Ingrid, slow down. <laughs> okay, thank yeah. you for reminding me because <laughs> it's my weakness, you know?
0: In the few okay. minutes we have left, um, let's all throw in a few tips on what we can do to actually combat this and and hopefully give some people some things to think about. Amanda, I'm gonna start with you
1: okay. um I have a couple things so one of the things I'll say is when I'm feeling like I'm having imposter syndrome, the very first thing I do is listen so. I listen to the people that I think should be in the room. So if I don't feel like I should be in the room, then I listen to them. And if what they're saying aligns with what I think in my head or things I already knew, then that really bolsters my confidence, right? Like these people that I think knew so much, like I knew five out of the eight things that they just said already, or, you know, however many it was. And so just listening and really engaging and so if you're feeling uncomfortable you don't always have to say something you can sit and listen until you get comfortable right so give yourself a little grace there and just listen to the people that you think are qualified and i think you'll find more more than you think that you are qualified to be there it's just this is something in your head the number two thing i always do is i listen to the people who invited me to the room right mm. so the very first experience I shouldn't say first but one that sticks out in my head of having imposter syndrome was a conference that I was asked to speak at and I was on a panel and I thought to myself why are they inviting me I don't know enough about this to be on this panel but I talked to somebody the person that invited me and they were like afterwards they were like that that was amazing you gave so many insights into what this was and you know, I just, I try to rely on those moments where, you know, somebody invited me to be here. And so they think that I should be in this room. And they think that because of a reason, right? There's something about me that they know that they think I deserve to be here. And so if I don't trust in myself for the moment, I'm going to trust in their judgment, right? Until I can feel it in on the inside. And the very last thing I'll say and, and I'm, I'm lucky to have those people. Um, I know that some people don't. So, I mean, find those people if you don't have those people, right? Because there's people out there for everybody and their jobs and you should be around them. But the very last thing I'll say is that one of the things I try to do when I'm at conferences or at events is I try to be like a safe space for other people who may, might be feeling that. So when I'm at a conference, I always have comfy chairs in my booth. And I want people to sit and relax and take a breath because, as we were talking about, always being on can be really intimidating and you can get really like, you know, nervy for some people. And so, you know, it can be a lot. Maybe it's just the longevity of it, whatever. So I try to like, you know, invite people to just kind of sit and relax with me for a little bit. Um, And so I try to do that for both myself so that I can take a breath, but also so that like my friends who may also be feeling like they're having imposter syndrome in the moment can like just know that like you can come to me, you can come to my area, like, you know, eat my snacks, hang out in our area. And like, and I think just doing that for people, like it makes you relax and makes them relax and just makes everyone feel A, like they belong, but also like be be yourself, you know? And franchising luckily, I think is like, really a people business and people you know take those opportunities to really connect in that way and be authentic and so I try to I don't know I would encourage other people to do that too like be a safe space for your people because everybody goes through it um I I go through it at every conference when I get there initially moving getting there it's like the butterfly start, right so it's just like take those time take that time to like listen relax and be with your people
0: Excellent. Excellent advice. Ingrid, any uh, tips you want to share to help yeah. people combat this right now?
2: Um, talking about self-talk, just remind yourself that it's super normal um, and that it can empower you or it can debilitate you. Like use it as a superpower. Um, imposter syndrome shrinks with gratitude. So pour into other people around you and also be their sacred, be their energy and be there like confidence to their imposter syndrome, right? So I think that always shrinks, for me, always shrinks what I'm going through. Um, and then I think the cure to imposter syndrome is knowing that you belong. And if you weren't given the opportunity, like, you, if you weren't ready for the opportunity, you simply wouldn't have it. So I've lived my life kind of like, if someone's given me an opportunity, they obviously believe in me, mm-hmm. and they think I should be there. So um, that's that's kind of my top tips is rewire your self-talk, be positive to yourself, and invest in others.
0: Excellent. Derek, any tips to share? Yeah,
3: I mean, a couple. Um, I would say like, when you're in those situations, try to be where your feet are. I mean, literally send your feelings to your feet, ground, literally ground yourself. You are in this room, you are not in your head, you are not shattering yourself. You are in this room, you are hearing people, you are speaking, you are there, right? Um, that's important. Admit when you don't know things. That's okay, too. That's okay, too. You're here to learn. Tell people you're going to make mistakes. Tell people you're here to learn. Ask questions. If you don't know, say you don't know, but you want to learn, right? Be excited, be curious. Uh, I feel that when people respond, people respond better to like, I wasn't aware of that, but I'm going to find out. That's a good question. Let's ask that question versus, uh, uh, but uh, I don't know, and then I should have known or I wasn't prepared. Two different responses, like people are more willing to give you the benefit of the doubt if you are willing to put in the work. Um, and then, you know, at the risk of being even more pretentious, I will, I will say that I, I, while we were talking, I just noticed this, this connection for the first time uh, between like an old um, stage trick and uh, this Japanese book called the Hagakur, which is How to Become a Samurai. These two things connect, I swear. I can make them connect. So in the, the Haggikur, it's, it's all about how to become a samurai. And it's all of this mental stuff. And there's one of the proverbs is like the samurai wakes up. And the first thing the samurai does in the morning is imagine the most gruesome death that, that he could picture, right? Run through the blade, decapitated, died in war, filled with arrows, all of that. And really goes into that, into that image, into that thing, and then lets it go. And, and they are then free to live their day because they have they have already died and they are now free. And this connects with this old stage trick, which when you're in a play, what you want to try to do is make a mistake as early as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You want to flub, you want to miss your mark, because once you've done that, you are free. You are free to perform, to be where your feet are, to be present, to be listening, to be active, to be that character. So... I would say, what's the worst that can happen? You lose your job. You're embarrassed. Imagine the worst possible thing. You're still alive. You have a life. You have value beyond this scenario. No matter what it is, you have value that supersedes this relationship, this job, anything like that. So if this all falls apart, turns to ash, you're still here. You still have value no matter what you're surrounded by.
0: Excellent. I'll leave everybody with, with um, something that connects with what Amanda was saying about um, listen to the people who invited you. You know, I'm, I'm a little nervous right now about the um, panel presentation that I'm moderating on Wednesday, the 19th at FLDC. It's going to be a big room. I have some superstar panelists who are, um, talking about lead generation and digital marketing and all kinds of great things. And um, I'm still working on my, my opening right now and I was a little nervous about it, but I need to remember um, there are some pretty smart people at Franchise Update who invited me to speak on this. Right. And they know way more about this than I do. So if they have confidence in me, I need to have confidence in me. And the three of you all made a comment when we started about, Why am I talking on this podcast today? And let me tell all three of you, you guys are rock stars. I would not have invited any of you if I didn't think you belonged here. So thank you so much for being here with me today. And I look forward to chatting again very soon. And thanks for listening to Social Geek. Your comeback of a lifetime starts now. This is The Social Geek Radio Network.